welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time We are back for another episode, the second week of Advent, slouching towards Bethlehem. Ben DeHart, how are you? I'm great, man. I mean, I probably shouldn't be feeling that good because this is the, uh, traditionally would be the Judgment Sunday, but uh, I'm feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah. If we're doing the death, judgment, heaven, hell, classic Advent, I don't feel like we're that. that. Is that really a thing? I mean, I know Fleming talks about that like it's a thing. Since the medieval ages. So like who actually who actually does that now though like does anyone actually do that now i think that Fleming does <laughs> yeah 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 amen yeah that's cool <laughs> that's about it <laughs> all right wait let's not let's not do i don't want to do a little i don't want to get into church talk right away my guy i just need to hear from you your thoughts about your birds man the eagles are coming in hot the philly special it lives they are they are and uh, i'll admit i have not been the best fan this year i just have had a pessimistic view from the beginning but we have found our groove Jalen Hurts is looking pretty all right. The stats on him in his first 15 games are essentially identical to um, Lamar Jackson. So uh, who knows? I, I, I still don't know if I believe it, but I feel like the coaching staff has figured something out. Our wide receiver Smith from Alabama is killing it. Our running game is starting to come alive. So, I mean, we've got six losses. I'm not sure we're going to make the playoffs, but now's the time to get hot. So, yeah. and speaking of teams that have underperformed at the beginning of the year your chiefs aren't looking so bad right now i know man four in a row man uh yeah they're i i, I was ready like especially after that bills loss i was like let's just shut down Mahomes for the rest of the season and like just take the mulligan here <laughs> you know like why what are we doing uh but you read no no i wasn't i don't know it was just like something about this year is off our second wide receiver is bad but we're still not i don't know it still just feels like who am I afraid of in the AFC? Like, I'm not afraid of the Bills. I'm not really afraid of the, the um, Ravens. I'm probably afraid of Bill Belichick. Like, that would be the one team no. that if we played them in the AFC Championship, I would they would find a way to beat us. But um, yeah, I, man, I, my my in laws are in town, for, and uh, we watched uh, a Chiefs game over the weekend. And it's just when when your football team is watchable, and it's this time of the year, it's just the best thing in the world. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. after church you know, have some food, some drinks, watch a game. It's just like, it's, it's America, you know, yeah. <laughs> honestly is what yeah. makes this country so great. It's really you know? the antidote for seasonal depression. Like if I have the birds doing all right, I'm doing okay. I'm like, you know, yeah. 30% lighter. So totally. Uh, totally. But yeah, no, speaking of all that, I mean, I think that all the teams we were afraid of at the beginning of the year, all the teams who looked very good and they still look good, like the Rams, the Bucks. I mean, the Packers still do look good. I think that was just one game. Um, but I'm forgetting there's another team where everybody seems to look kind of shaky. The, bill, the Bills. Bills, yeah. Bills, of course. But yeah, I mean, it's the it's the teams that have started slow, like the Patriots who, you know, what were we thinking ever doubting Bill Belichick for 
any number of oh yeah he's your seconds, hero but... i forgot about that i thought you had that you had <laughs> oh, that yeah, episode. that's right yeah yeah that's right do your job do your job do your job yeah i thought that was profound but uh yeah no just uh your team it's really anybody's super bowl I agree at this point, unless Aaron Rodgers just, you know, COVID <laughs> vaccinated vaccine. Oh, I am just dude. like when we played the Cowboys and Amari Cooper had COVID, I was so thrilled. There's like nothing <laughs> I want more than the best players on the opposing teams to contract the virus to go down, to go down. Yeah. Well, Hey, you guys helped us out by beating the Cowboys. We're one step closer. So, you know, we'll, re- we'll revisit in a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months and see where our teams are at. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. Well, so gang, we are, not reading a psalm this week. We are reading Canticle number 16, the Book of Common Prayer. It's popularly known as the Benedictus. It's in the New Testament. It's in Luke. And this happens on occasion. The psalms are substituted for, I guess you'd say, psalm-like passages of scripture in the New Testament. So this is Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. And it's very appropriate because the second Sunday of Advent is oftentimes known as John the Baptist Sunday. So in a second, you're going to see John the Baptist's father talk about his son. So it goes like this. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Nick, what do you think of the Benedictus? Uh, man, I love the Benedictus. If you, um, the, the people that listen to this podcast probably do the morning and evening prayer office in some form or fashion. Um, I, we haven't talked about this, Ben, but um, the Church of England, there's an app called... Um, I'm pulling it up right now. It's called Daily Prayer. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, no, not really. Yeah, it's, it's just the offices, but you can listen to a recording of morning prayer and evening prayer in some cathedral in England. And it's done very, very well. And it's like 20 minutes. It's like the best like hygiene, you know, like to start your day and end your day by like listening nice. to morning. It's really, really good. And um, I'm not that familiar with liturgy in the church of England and why they do exactly what they do, but they sing uh, or say the Benedictus every, every evening, you know, it's like, that's like the canticle at some point in the service. It doesn't exactly follow like the 79 prayer book, but um, anyway, so it's become a song. That's like a song, a canticle. It's become a poem or whatever you want to call it. That's really been like an accompaniment for me. Cause I listen to it sung every single day. Um, that doesn't mean though, that I have anything particularly interesting to say about it as you'll are about to experience. I think what jumps out at me from the beginning or like from the, the first half of the canticle is how, how Jesus in his identity and the beauty of his life and ministry is filled out by the story of the first Testament. Like there's all these references in the canticle, you know, he was born of the house of his servant, David, 
it was a fulfillment of the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Um, he promised to show mercy to our fathers to remember his holy, you know, the holy prophets he promised of old. Just how the story of Jesus is, in some ways, of course, there's lots of discontinuity, but there is, in some measure, continuity with all that he was and is and did, how it like fulfills the story of the Old Testament. So that's like, you know, one thing that just jumps out at me, how our, our understanding of Jesus is enriched and filled out by knowing the, the first Testament. Totally. And like last week we were talking about the everlasting covenant made to David. And here in this canticle, we talk about this one who's born of the house of his servant, David. And we talked about covenants too, right? And here he remembers his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father, Abraham. So, and it's addressed to the God of Israel. So I've heard some people say that this song, this song of Zechariah, the Benedictus, is really kind of a pre-Christian psalm, like a prayer. And uh, you could see why people would, would latch onto that, right? There's so much about this is to set God's people free. God's people in this context are the people of Israel. We're not yet talking so much about, you know, the nations. Um, so I think that was super astute there. This is this is someone, this is the fulfillment that's promised to David. This is the fulfillment of the covenant. Uh, this is the descendant of our father, Abraham. And what does that descendant do? It frees us from the hand of our enemies. And not just that, but also forgives us of our sins. And I think those are the two things that are really highlighted here. He is yeah. going to bring about the forgiveness of sins and free us. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's great. Thank you for calling me astute, by the way. Um, that means a lot. So the um, I have a question for you, Ben, and this is going to sound a little bit too, I don't know, literal or technical, but not technical, but um, when it says in the canticle, you know, we are set free to worship him without fear. Mm. What is what is that freedom from? What, mm. free, fear, is it fear of God or is it fear of our enemies? Like maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, and maybe there's not a right answer. I'm just like, I've always read it as free to worship him without fear of judgment, namely, mm. or because we are holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. But there's also this sense of, you know, set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear. Like, you know, you can say it different ways and the meaning jumps out differently. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's probably both, right? I mean, uh, the, the Old Testament has, we're, we're kind of ashamed of this kind of language today, but in both Testaments, there's a whole lot of, you know, fear of judgment or judgment is yeah. sometimes equated with oh, yeah. doom, right? Again, this is yeah. judgment sun Sunday. And the other lessons for the Sunday emphasize that we deserve this judgment, which is very unfortunate, but it's true. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think that we can we can hold these two things together. Uh, you and I, uh, although we are in 21st century America and probably safer than ever, you and I have enemies. Um, we probably have real enemies, but we can also spiritualize this. We, you know, the, the powers and principalities of darkness that Paul talks about, these are real enemies that we can need to be able to worship God without fear of them. But I think there's also that. I mean, I think it's right in there, there in the canticle, right? This is a big emphasis of the, the gospel of Luke, that you and I need the forgiveness of sins, that John the Baptist talks about that, and that's what Jesus does. So I think we can, we can hold these two things together of spiritual realities, 
temporal realities, um, real enemies, um, real enemies of the spiritual world, but then also this, this, this real notion that you and I have fallen short and that what this Jesus guy came to do was to make us right with God. Mm, yeah, that's good, man. I love the imagery at the end of the song of the dawn. I mean, obviously it's very oh, famous yeah, imagery. So and the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and guide our feet to the way of peace. So the, the, the light of God, God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, you know, it shines and it guides. And I, there's a lot of wonderful poetic resonant aspects to that image of the light breaking in the darkness. But what I, as I was thinking about this canticle prior to recording, I think what, what jumped out at me was like, when the light, when the light dawns, there's a certain like irrevocability to it, you know, like in the cycle of that day, like, you know, when it's, cause I don't know, like, uh, moving up to North Carolina, it makes, sounds weird to say like it's moving north, but it's much further north than Austin, which means the daylight savings thing is much more real. So it gets darker much earlier than I've gotten used to. And then it becomes lighter much earlier. So now I'm waking up just because it's getting light outside. And I like when it gets, starts getting light outside, nothing can stop it from getting dark again, you know, in the cycle of the day. And I think what, you know, is so powerful about that image, obviously, is that when Jesus visits our planet in his first advent, there is something irrevocable. And the world will be put to right. You know, we're still waiting for the conclusion. We're still in that day, you know, but the, um, but the day has dawned and the morning, we're still in morning, but that morning has dawned and there's nothing, any power of darkness can do about it. Um, you know, the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high has broke upon us. Yeah. And this sounds a whole lot like what we're going to read about during Christmas time, Christmas Eve, Christmas day. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it or conquer it, which yeah. is exactly what you said. And I love that in the sense of both of what we've been talking about, both in the light shines in the darkness against the powers and principalities of darkness, all that holds us in bondage, all that wages war against the good intentions of God. But at the same time, right, it says in the tender compassion of our God the dawn from on high shall break upon us. So this dawn is, you know, Christus victor, the undoing of death, the rectification of all that has gone wrong. But at the same time, it's this compassion for you and me who have hurt those whom we've loved and those whom we've hated, <laughs> um, who have sinned a lot. We need this compassion. And this dawn, this break of day is conquering the darkness out there and in us. And so just good news all around. Yeah. The fun, one final thing. I mean, there's this great like medium is the message here. And this is relevant for the second Sunday of Advent and it, because it's, it, it speaks to John the Baptist and the paradoxical role he occupies in our imaginations um, in that he is, according to Jesus Christ, the greatest prophet who ever lived. And, you know, he kind of typifies what is what every Old Testament prophet was doing in pointing to Jesus um, but he is message and his sense of his own self, you know, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of the straps of the one who is coming after me. And this song of Zachariah, that is ostensibly a song about Zachariah's son, John the Baptist, is actually not really about John the Baptist. It's mm -hmm. about John the Baptist for like a verse and a half. It's all about Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's as if like, it's as if John the Baptist's father could is like participated in the same 
spirit of his son, which is like, my whole role is to point to the one who comes after me. My son will play a role. He will be called the prophet of the most high to prepare the Lord's way. But in reality, he and I and all creation exists to celebrate and magnify and glorify the one who comes after him. It's just weird how that's the song of the song about John the Baptist isn't even about John the Baptist, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like a really good point. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I kind of would just want to emphasize that even more is that, you know, we, in our day, we don't know what to do with forgiveness of sins uh, for whatever reason. Cause I don't know why we don't, because we all feel guilty. We're all like <laughs> not measuring up and, and do feel like we need some kind of, forgiveness but but the gospel of luke and this song really emphasized that that's what jesus came to do in fact in the gospel of luke what does john say is like jesus's purpose is to forgive uh, his people uh, so i think that's something we really need to keep in mind i also want to say just i mean if if you listener or one of those people on the Kentbury trail who's been trying to do morning prayer or the like uh it's during advent and lent that this song is said every Sunday. And then for the rest of the year, it's said every Wednesday. So it's, this is a very important canticle. It's probably said and sung more than any of the Psalms that we're going over. Uh, but you can see kind of that the Psalm-like nature of this. One, that it's a song. Two, there's that, that kind of parallelism going on here. And three, and I think most importantly, and Nick mentioned this at the beginning, it really does connect the Testaments, the God and Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and this is why we read both Testaments, because both show us the way and character of our Lord. Mm. So good, man. All right. The song of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant, David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father, Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast. <laughs>